Chapter 5 of Baron Munchausen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Surprising Adventures of Baron Munchausen by Rudolf Erich Rasp. Chapter 5. All these narrow and lucky escapes, gentlemen, were chances turned to advantage by presence of mind and vigorous exertions, which, taken together, as everybody knows, make the fortunate sportsman, sailor, and soldier. But he would be a very blamable and imprudent sportsman, admiral, or general, who would always depend upon chance and his stars, without troubling himself about those arts which are their particular pursuits, and without providing the very best implements which ensure success. I was not blamable either way, for I have always been as remarkable for the excellency of my horses, dogs, guns, and swords, as for the proper manner of using and managing them, so that upon the whole I may hope to be remembered in the forest, upon the turf, and in the field. I shall not enter here into any detail of my stables, kennel, or armory, but a favorite bitch of mine I cannot help mentioning to you. She was a greyhound, and I never had or saw a better. She grew old in my service, and was not remarkable for her size, but rather for her uncommon swiftness. I always coursed with her. Had you seen her, you must have admired her, and would not have wondered at my predilection, and at my coursing her so much. She ran so fast, so much, and so long in my service, that she actually ran off her legs, so that, in the latter part of her life, I was under the necessity of working and using her only as a terrier, in which quality she still served me many years. Coursing one day a hare, which appeared to me uncommonly big, I pitied my poor bitch, being big with pups, yet she would course as fast as ever. I could follow her on horseback only at a great distance, at once I heard a cry, as it were, of a pack of hounds, but so weak and faint that I hardly knew what to make of it. Coming up to them, I was greatly surprised. The hare had littered in running. The same had happened to my bitch in coursing, and there were just as many leverets as pups. By instinct the former ran, the latter coursed, and thus I found myself in possession at once of six hares, and as many dogs, at the end of a course which had only begun with one. I remember this, my wonderful bitch, with the same pleasure and tenderness as a superb Lithuanian horse, which no money could have bought. He became mine by an accident, which gave me an opportunity of showing my horsemanship to a great advantage. I was at Count Zobowski's noble country seat in Lithuania, and remained with the ladies at tea in the drawing-room, while the gentlemen were down in the yard to see a young horse of blood which had just arrived from the stud. We suddenly heard a noise of distress. I hastened downstairs and found the horse so unruly that nobody durst approach or mount him. The most resolute horseman stood dismayed and aghast. Despondency was expressed in every countenance when in one leap I was on his back, took him by surprise, and worked him quite into gentleness and obedience, with the best display of horsemanship I was master of. Fully to show this to the ladies, and save them unnecessary trouble, I forced him to leap in at one of the open windows of the tea-room, walked round several times, pace, trot, and gallop, 
and at last made him mount the tea-table there to repeat his lessons in a pretty style of miniature which was exceedingly pleasing to the ladies for he performed them amazingly well and did not break either cup or saucer it placed me so high in their opinion and so well in that of the noble lord that with his usual politeness he begged i would accept this young horse and ride him full career to conquest and honour in the campaign against the turks which was soon to be opened under the command of count munich i could not indeed have received a more agreeable present nor a more ominous one at the opening of that campaign in which i made my apprenticeship as a soldier a horse so gentle so spirited and so fierce at once a lamb and a bucephalus put me always in mind of the soldier's and the gentleman's duty of young alexander and of the astonishing things he performed in the field we took the field among several other reasons it seems with an intention to retrieve the character of the russian arms which had been blemished a little by tsar peter's last campaign on the pruth and this we fully accomplished by several very fatiguing and glorious campaigns under the command of that great general i mentioned before modesty forbids individuals to arrogate to themselves great successes or victories the glory of which is generally engrossed by the commander nay which is rather awkward by kings and queens who never smelt gunpowder but at the field days and reviews of their troops never saw a field of battle or an enemy in battle array nor do i claim any particular share of glory in the great engagements with the enemy we all did our duty which in the patriot soldiers and gentlemen's language is a very comprehensive word of great honour meaning and import and of which the generality of idle quidnuncs and coffee-house politicians can hardly form any but a very mean and contemptible idea however having had the command of a body of hussars i went upon several expeditions with discretionary powers and the success i then met with is i think fairly and only to be placed to my account and to that of the brave fellows whom i led on to conquest and to victory we had very hot work once in the van of the army when we drove the turks into Aksakal. my spirited lithuanian had almost brought me into a scrape i had an advanced forepost and saw the enemy coming against me in a cloud of dust which left me rather uncertain about their actual numbers and real intentions to wrap myself up in a similar cloud was common prudence but would not have much advanced my knowledge or answered the end for which i had been sent out therefore i let my flankers on both wings spread to the right and left and make what dust they could and i myself led on straight upon the enemy to have nearer sight of them in this i was gratified for they stood and fought till for fear of my flankers they began to move off rather disorderly this was the moment to fall upon them with spirit we broke them entirely made a terrible havoc amongst them and drove them not only back to a walled town in their rear but even through it contrary to our most sanguine expectation the swiftness of my lithuanian enabled me to be foremost in the pursuit and seeing the enemy fairly flying through the opposite gate i thought it would be prudent to stop in the market-place to order the men to rendezvous i stopped gentlemen but judge of my astonishment when in this market-place i saw not one of my hussars about me are they scouring the other streets or what has become of them 
They could not be far off, and must, at all events, soon join me. In that expectation, I walked my panting Lithuanian to a spring in this market-place, and let him drink. He drank uncommonly, with an eagerness not to be satisfied, but natural enough, for when I looked round for my men, what should I see, gentlemen? The hind part of the poor creature, croup and legs, were missing, as if he had been cut in two, and the water ran out as fast as it came in, without refreshing or doing him any good. How it could have happened was quite a mystery to me, till I returned with him to the town gate. There I saw that when I rushed in pell-mell with the flying enemy, they had dropped the portcullis, uh, a heavy falling door with sharp spikes at the bottom, let down suddenly to prevent the entrance of an enemy into a fortified town, unperceived by me, which had totally cut off his hind part that still lay quivering on the outside of the gate. It would have been an irreparable loss had not our farrier contrived to bring both parts together while hot. He sewed them up with sprigs and young shoots of laurels that were at hand, the wound healed, and what could not have happened but to so glorious a horse, the sprigs took root in his body, grew up, and formed a bower over me, so that afterwards I could go upon many other expeditions in the shade of my own and my horse's laurels. End of chapter. Recorded by Tom Barron.